Folks, I will be honest and say I'm feeling a little bit of pressure this morning and making sure we're done by 12. Uh, so we'll get going and we'll get there at 12 o'clock so we can be finished on time. You'd be happy to hear that once again we have another commandment that is only two words in length. The past two have been the shortest, uh, this set of three commandments that are only two words long in the original language. And uh, we think whenever we come to these shorter commandments that they're not really that relevant to us. But I think as we've discovered over the past number of weeks, they are very relevant. Out of all the commandments that we've been looking at, certainly for me this week has been talking to people, you've been following the series along, knowing what's coming up, and it's easy to do that with the commandments. You know what's coming up. And this has been the one most talked about. You shall not steal. Or if you want the two words, lo tignov. You shall not steal. Because I've had people chatting with me, I should say not confession, we made it very clear that it wasn't that, of things that have happened in their lives where they've inadvertently stolen something by accident, sometimes by choice, or they've borrowed something and they've just forgot to return it. And as I've been talking to many people about it, it's been an interesting week talking about it all. We begin to get a picture of what this commandment really means for us. So let's get into it and let's get cracking. So you shall not steal. One of the things we've been noticing as we've been doing the commandments is how many of them are interlinked. How you can go back to some and, and recognize little threads that are going on here. How we can look at the first set of commandments that we've looked at and see how they feed into what we're, we're looking at. And so it is today with the first commandment. Way back uh, eight or so weeks ago, you shall have no other gods before me. It links very much into what we're thinking this morning because as we think about what it means, you shall not steal. We need to look at it in three ways. Firstly, we need to consider what is, it, what is the actual action within us that makes us want to steal. Secondly, we'll look at well, how does that work today in 2011? How do we steal today? And then finally, we'll consider the question, well, can we steal from God? So let's think about the heart issue, which is where we've started with most of our commandments. What does it mean to steal? And so this is where the first commandment feeds in, you shall have no other gods before me. I was very excited a number of weeks ago. Um, I have been... Um, shouldn't say ridicule, but a good little bit of banter has been going on in the office, in the congregation, indeed from up front here, about my love of all things gadgety, technological, and things like that. In particular, a certain brand that is a piece of fruit that you eat. And I couldn't believe it. A few weeks ago, here they were launching a great new product. It was going to be amazing. It, this particular company advertised it as, it's going to change things all over again. I thought, oh, great, the world is going to be turned upside down. It's going to be amazing. People are going to see the light and move to this way of thinking. But I had to very quickly put on the brakes and say, David, don't even look at the website. Don't even look at the videos that they're going to try and sell you all this for because, A, you don't have the time to play with it and use it. What really would it be useful for? And thirdly, you can't afford it, so don't even bother. But yet there was a drive within me that wanted this thing. 
And I think there's a drive within each of us that wants things. So there is this heart issue. We want, we want, we want, for different reasons. I was trying frantically to justify why this new product would be wonderful in my life and how ministry would be revolutionized and never be the same again, but I just couldn't do it. How impressive would it be if I turned up at your door and knocked it with this thing in my arm going, it'd be great. But there was something within me wanted to keep up with society. Because society is driving us. We can't get away from it. We are bombarded with advertisements left, right, and center that says you must have a lifestyle that looks like this. And we fall into it. And so we start to acquire possessions by legal and illegal means. And sometimes those illegal means are inadvertent. We don't realize that we are doing it. The Bible presents us with an interesting thing because it actually challenges us to look at what we think we own. If you were to do an inventory of your house, what would it include? And would you say, well, that's mine and that's someone else's? Because the Bible challenges us to think that actually we don't own anything. Everything that we have comes from God and is a gift from God. So David recognizes this in 1 Chronicles. Here's David about to reach the pinnacle of his kingship. He has the world before him. And he says this in 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. David had it all. Had the palace, the city, the army, the kingdom. And he recognized that it all came from God. The question I had to ask, when did that ever change? When in Scripture do we ever learn that things stopped being God's and started being ours? Oh yes, we may have title deeds, we may have certificates of proof of purchase, but if we are people following Jesus, being of God's family, we own nothing because everything, we are told, comes from God. So everything is His, given to us to be stewards over, so that we will use them for His glory We will use them as his people together. And of course, we will return to him part of what he has given us as our tithing. So the heart issue, the heart issue of you shall not steal is that we always want. The human nature always wants more. We want to be like the people next door. We want to be like the particular social group that we want to be part of. And we'll get there no matter what. So the heart, our first challenge, what is our focus? What is in our heart? Is it this idea that we can be like the world? Or do we desire to be like Jesus? Secondly, 
What does theft or stealing look like in 2011? I don't know if you're already thinking of different things that have happened that you now realize or recognize, oh, maybe I should have done something. Um, I've accidentally put something in a trolley or someone of my child has lifted something, put it in a shopping bag without me knowing. Those kind of things. Let me read for you something that I read in a magazine, a human resources magazine, uh, about KPMG. KPMG's recent fraud barometer showed a dramatic increase in workplace fraud, recording 123 cases of serious fraud by employees and managers in 2009, a record high in the barometer's 22-year 20 year history, which cost UK PLC approximately £567 million. Yet while the mythology is first rate, even KPMG admits this is the tip of the iceberg. Firstly, it only records frauds of £100,000 plus. Secondly, it only records fraudsters who are caught. And finally, it ignores frauds to which it's impossible to apply a value or which have only uh, an indirect impact. And the article went on to list different kinds of thefts from stealing customer information, impossible to apply a value, to stealing a pen from the stationery cupboard, what seems so small, yet it recognizes this spectrum as theft. So that's theft in the workplace. Theft of customer information, accounting fraud, diverting funds from one account to another, or payment for false invoices, cash theft, from tills, petty cash, vending machines. Product theft from company shops, uh, warehouses and vehicles. Office theft, stationery, use of photocopier or postage. And time theft, looking to take off time to go on that little shopping trip knowing that the government will pay them anyway, so it's okay. So here we have challenges that we are faced with every day in the workplace, wherever we are working theft in the workplace? Is it something that we recognize? Is it something that we admit that we have done? Because if everything is God's and everything is given for stewardship, then even something as simple, even though it seems as if it costs so little as a pen, in the eyes of Scripture, is stealing. And what about theft from people and companies who legally own things. The conversations I mentioned earlier were incidents that accidentally happened, and that does happen to all of us. But there are times uh, we see people putting things in a shopping bag, and that came up in one of the conversations this week, and what do you do? Do I have a responsibility to say, I saw you putting something in your bag, and march them over to the security people and get them sorted as... A 19-year-old, I fudged it and thought, well, it's not my responsibility, let me walk on. But if we uphold a commandment that says, you shall not steal, the commandment, yes, is individual to us, but it's also for society. Because we started by thinking, if God is good, then his way of life is good. That's where we started right at week one in the start of this sermon series. It's not that we become the Bible police, but what it means is we show a genuineness in society that we desire to be in it 
that we want a society that grows because of honesty and what is fair and just. So things happen by accident. Sometimes we we put things in shopping bags hoping that we'll get away with it. But what about the things that maybe we don't recognize and where in our minds we think that, well, it's a little bit gray and it's a little bit cloudy. So what about borrowing a CD from a friend or indeed an extended family member and thinking, okay, I'll, I'll transfer it onto my computer. And we think, well, we'll get over that law to say, well, it's within the family, so it's okay. You're allowed to make one legal copy or whatever it is. Or perhaps we go on to some of these websites where we can download music for free or we can stream or, or watch movies that aren't even out of the cinema yet. And we think, well, you know something, everyone's doing it. I don't know anybody who's ever got caught. I'll never get caught. How will they ever know it's me? And so we live with computers and DVD and CD racks filled with content that we have not paid for. And I think we would all agree that if we don't pay for something so that it becomes legally ours in the eyes of law, then it is theft, stealing. You shall not steal. And I recognize that what I've just said fits uncomfortably with us. It does. Because I know that on my computer in the past there have been things that I have had to delete because the content was not legally mine. I've breached the law of the land. Now, I may not have made the copy. I may not have been the first one who ever stole the copy. But I'm adding to it and feeding it simply because I won't pay $10.99 for a movie when it comes out. So how do we react to this? Because the list could go on and on and on. Like all the rest of the commandments, this commandment challenges us to search our hearts. What is right and what is wrong? What is right? What is right in the eyes of God? Not in the eyes of the world because everyone is doing it. That is no justification at all. But what is right in the eyes of God? So how should we respond? And this is why we read the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19 this morning. Here we have Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector. He had amassed a huge amount of wealth for himself. And he was living the life. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes to town whom he's heard of. And he wants to see him. But we all know, being vertically challenged, he has to climb that tree to get a good view. And so Jesus passes by. And something captures Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus says, this guy's different. This guy I want to know more about. And Jesus stops on the tree, looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house for a cup of tea. So off they go. And whatever happens in the conversation, Zacchaeus is changed. Because rather than following a life of greed and amassing wealth and swindling and dealing from other people, he decides, I want to live a life that follows Jesus. And he says, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give to the poor and I'm going to pay back what I have stolen. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. 
Now, I'm not trying to say that because of Zacchaeus' action in giving back the money that warranted salvation. I think we've been very clear over recent weeks about that. But it's Zacchaeus' intent. In his heart, he says, I am following Jesus, which means the rules of this world that the rest of society say are acceptable, I'm not going to follow. Rather, I am going to follow Jesus, who gives the example of a perfect life. I've been racked with guilt this week over an event that happened in 1992. I was about 13 years of age, and I was in a petrol shop or a petrol station in Armagh. It was a beautiful summer's day, and me and my friends fancied some sweets. So off we went, and we got our little hoard. We went to the checkout, and we paid for our sweets. And that was fine. We paid correctly for what we should. And then I thought, oh, I'd love another couple of things. I had some money left, so I thought, I'll just go. And so I lifted some more, but I happened to lift a second packet of fruit gums. And I don't think I paid for them. I think they went into this hand instead of staying in this hand. Now, trust me, it wasn't in my heart to try and steal a second packet of fruit gums. But in the light of what we've been learning from Zacchaeus, who gave everything back again, do I need to go to that supermarket as it is today and pay back the money? Because even in Exodus 21, there is this idea that if we steal, we must pay back and give 100% interest. Now, if I am someone who is to take the Bible seriously, and if I'm someone who is to follow the way Jesus has given as an example, it means I have to do it. Do I think it adds to my salvation? No, no, not at all. But I think it's the way God wants me to live. So someday I'll pluck up the courage in the near future. And the inflated price of fruit gums, I don't know how much they are today, but in those days they were 23p. I will hand over my 46p, get the weird look of the person behind the counter, and say thank you very much. If anyone knows how to get over the barcode scanning thing with all of that, because they can't open tells without it, let me know. Although I throw that in as humor, it is a serious thing that I'm questioning. You may say it's only a packet of fruit gums. It's X number of years ago, 20 years ago. But here's the reason why. What does it mean? What does it mean if we are followers of Jesus? It means that in this world we will do what is right, no matter what. Because it is not for our glory or our credit, but it is for God's. So for me to go over this 23p packet of fruit gums is not about me, but it actually demonstrates the life that I desire to live, which is a life following Jesus. So the second challenge in our lives, can we think of things that we have done that might need to be settled so that we can demonstrate the life that we're called to live? If we look in our tool sheds or in our homes, have we inadvertently borrowed something that we now need to return? Do we need to own up and, and do these things so that through our actions, Jesus Christ can be displayed and his way of life shown to this world that is so driven in getting what the world wants. 
So finally, let's think about what it means to steal from God. Is it possible that we can steal from God? The answer is yes, because firstly, we don't give God what is due to him. We don't give God what is rightfully his. And this includes our gifts, our talents, our full attention and praise, and money and resources that the Bible tells us we are to tithe. Malachi 3 verse 8 says, Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. God charges the people with not giving him what is rightfully his, holding back, yes, monetary-wise, but also in the abilities that he has given us. Can we steal from God? Yes, we can. Because we do not give to him what is due to him. The abilities, the money, helping his people throughout the world get out of debt, helping his people throughout the world to live for Christ wherever they're at. We become very insular. We become very much focused on ourselves. And so we steal from God. And secondly, we come to another one of these interlinking of the commandments. Can we steal from God? Yes, we can. We thought in the third commandment about misusing the name of the, of the Lord your God. Can we steal from God by crediting his name to us whenever we need to give him all the credit, taking the praise that is rightfully his? Can we steal from God by working on the Christian name so that we can get our way and get whatever we want? You see, it is very easy to steal from God. You know, we don't even recognize that we're doing it. God's word tells us, you shall not steal. Friends, I ask you to join me in inspecting our hearts and lives. Where does this uh, commandment penetrate into our lives? Where are we allowing Satan to have a foothold so that we'll allow just an inch in his way rather than living a life that Jesus calls us to? Are we following the world rather than following Jesus? The eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Let's pray.